I know uh, there's been uh, quite a challenging experience for a lot of folks uh, at the ferries, uh, and perhaps that's where we should start with our next guest. Keith Baldry is, of course, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. I wanted to chat with him about uh, a recent poll, but let's talk about ferries first here, Keith. Um, any sense of you know how we ended up here uh, today in regards to ferries, especially on the second busiest weekend for the Fer- BC Ferry Corporation? Well, I think some of it was bad luck for the coastal celebration to be knocked out of service, a major vessel on a major route. Um, just uh, was bad timing, to say the least. And then the ongoing challenges, I'm not sure how much of this played a role, but we've talked about this before, the ongoing challenges of crewing BC ferries. Transport Canada, a few years ago, changed the number, the requirement for the number, the minimum number of people of able-bodied seamen to be on board the vessel with safety training. And that number now is significantly high. And BC Ferries literally cannot sail if they don't meet that staffing requirement as set down by Transport Canada. So all it takes is one or two absences to knock a sailing uh, off, off the schedule. And I think that in a combination of, of uh, one major vessel going down is just... Uh, Terrible situation. I've been in a five sailing weight day, and it's uh, it's pretty brutal. I think I think the today was a six sailing weight, I believe, at uh, at Tawasin. Ferries is uh, trying to be creative. They've got kids entertainers in the terminals. Um, I think they've got some misting stations. I remember being stuck in a five sailing weight uh, day at Tawasin, phoning former CEO David Hahn to say, what the heck's going on here? And Hahn, because he's a fairly creative uh, CEO, hired a country rock band to play at the Tawasin Ferry Terminal and handed out free refreshments for everyone. So I haven't been to the terminal. I, want, I don't want to go anywhere near that terminal. We've got Richard Zussman out there today, and I'm leaving it to him to soak in the sun in the crowd. I don't know if uh, short of the Rolling Stones or maybe Taylor Swift would uh, keep a few folks, make a few folks happier when they're in that uh, terminal. Because right now... Well, one, one thing is, people got lots of warning about this, right? Yeah. It wasn't like it came out of the blue. You had to, if you didn't have a reservation, you're really subjecting yourself to a... You're rolling the dice. Where, where there can be more of a problem is when you, you expect there to be maybe a sailing weight and you show up at the terminal, as what happened to me one day, and it's a four or five sailing weight because suddenly a vessel did crash without any or not crash, but just be conk, come out of service without any warning, mm-hmm. and it has that domino effect and just leads to delays. That's when you get cranky and frustrated people. We interviewed a number of people at both terminals today, had them on various newscasts, and a lot of people were kind of philosophical and sort of resigned to their fate and just saying, well, you know, that's the way it goes. It wasn't like on an unexpected delay where you get people more frustrated. But it is amazing that one vessel goes down, and I know it's a major vessel. It's a it's a coastal class, uh, but it does speak to uh, just you know how tight the system is. That one of these things goes down, one big vessel, and the whole system just gets turned upside down. Yeah, and ferries is constantly, I mean, they've got a massive capital plan. They've been building vessels pretty well every year, and it really cannot keep up with demand. But keep in mind some of the, some of those ferries, I think they still got a couple of ferries that were built in the 60s. You know, I grew up on the, taking the BC ferries, you know, over to Salt Spring Island to see the grandparents every weekend. And, you know, those were 1960s ferries. But I think the system has never been more crowded than it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just uh, delivering services and, and uh, BC ferries being one of them. But uh, a recent poll by uh, Angus Reid Institute uh, basically showed British Columbians aren't that happy in, in regards to the provincial government and their ability to deliver key services, whether it be health care, cost of living issues, housing affordability? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. And it's not just BC. Just two examples, Ontario as well. 
very similar scores across the board. I mean, we're talking very low approval ratings when it comes to cost of living, health care, and housing in terms of a government performance. So about 80% of the population gives a thumbs down to both governments. handling. But then when they're asked about voting intention, it completely flips on its head. And if election were held today, according to this poll and other polls as well, the NDP would win an easy re-election. I mean, they've, they've got a 40, 47 to 29% lead over BC United. Uh, Doug Ford in Ontario, very low numbers, similar to, to BC, NDP, when it comes to handling of these issues that are ranked as the top three issues of the electorate, but would, again, handily win an election in Ontario, largely because of a vote split between the Liberals and the NDP in that province. But nevertheless, he would win a likely a comfortable majority. I think one of, the, one of the things that comes out of this to me is that have we hit a stage where the electorate no longer thinks the government can actually accomplish number of things. And hmm. that means, I mean, we've been fighting housing affordability for years and through a succession of governments. The Liberals were, you know, trying to do it, tackle it. Now the NDP is, and nothing's really changed. And I just wonder if people think, you know, that's not the reason. I just don't think the government can solve this problem or health care, which seems to be out of the grasp of all provinces right now hmm. in terms of problems mounting across the country. And perhaps the electorate is just not viewing voting intent tied as much anymore um, to handling of issues uh, such as these. It may be the impression is, is it beyond government control? Mm-hmm. Uh, in that poll, it showed that BC NDP had 47% of decided and leaning voters, BC United at 29%, so 18 points behind the NDP. Huge Green, gap. Yeah, huge gap. Green Party at 14%, and other parties uh, collectively at about 10%. Uh, part of it, uh, one would argue, whether the name change from BC Liberal to BC United is one thing, but uh, I don't think anybody knows what they stand for yet. I, I think they're trying uh, in, on a variety of issues, but I don't think you get a, immediately get an impression of what does BC United stands for. It seems like it's a party searching for, at least having difficulty articulating an identity. I'd agree. I mean, I, I think the vast majority of the population really doesn't know what BC United is. Very few people pay attention to politics at that granular level to notice when a party changes its name. I usually think about the parties at election time, mm-hmm. not so much between elections, and particularly when it comes to opposition parties. I mean, if you're going to get mad, uh, anyway, you're going to get mad at the government from you know between elections. You're not going to get mad at the opposition parties. You're not paying attention to the opposition party so much. And so when the opposition party changes its name, I think it goes by and large unnoticed by a vast chunk of the electorate. And I think that's what happened in, in some of the, the, the by-elections last weekend. I'm sure a number of voters were presented a ballot and looked at the car, card and said, well, I know what the NDP is. I know what conservatives are. And the Greens, that's self-explanatory. What the heck is BC United? And I don't think uh, the party has really communicated its name change very well. And they sort of, you know, Kevin Falcons acknowledged that they've got a lot of work to do. There's going to be a massive ad buy, I think, which is probably good news for CKNW and Global um, when it comes to purchasing ads. But they've got to get that, that message out that they've changed their name because I'll tell you, 47 to 29, um, we haven't seen a split like that since uh, you go back to the dying days of the NDP government in the late 1990s. Yeah, I mean, I, can you turn, can Mr. Falcon turn it around, do you think? I mean, he's got a, just over tough. a year. It's, I mean, that's, I mean, government's on. It always says oppositions don't win. Governments uh, are the ones that uh, are the lead reason why they don't get elected, not opposition. But in in this case, do you think you can turn it around so quickly? It's just got just over a year left. Again, I think what a third electorate doesn't even know who he is. And that's always, you know, it's a struggle for opposition to be heard. In this latest Angus Reid poll, his approval rating is a net minus 18. Just 20% approve, 38% disapprove. Eby's 
you know, 47 approved, 36 percent disapproved. So he's he's got a, a positive uh, net uh, rating. Falcon has a negative one. But you know, you could argue this two ways. It, one, it's good to be no, unknown because now you can uh, sort of define yourself along your lines and and you know get known to the electorate along more positive ways. On the other hand, you know, it's only 16 months before the election, and I, it may sound like a long time, but that's not a long time. Um, that's, a, I think it's, the, I think the by-election has underscored the urgency of the situation BC United finds itself in, because the NDP government, very well positioned in the polls in terms of where they are with public opinion, even when the electorate is that upset or not that unimpressed with your performance on the issues that are near and dear to them, mm-hmm. to have a gap like that between you and your nearest political opponent is astonishing, and it's great news for David Eby and Doug Ford in Ontario. Yeah, and the, the issue of... Um the cancer patients uh, going down to Bellingham uh, for uh, for treatment. Uh, look, it, it it helps us in the sense in the near term that people who need the need the treatment uh, can go, and I feel very happy for them. But I think the overarching message of sending Canadians down to relying on a, on, a, on an American system to to help our public system, um, I'm a bit surprised that we haven't seen more outcry on that. Well, again, maybe as I said off the top, perhaps people don't think the government is in control of these systems uh, in the ways they perhaps they, they uh, thought before, that these, these systems and problems have become so big and so regular and so consistent. And uh, even though, you know, we didn't have a little sent a relatively fewer number of people down there. I mean, there were uh, some pregnancies sent down there, but nowhere near the number we're talking about here in the NDP. But I think when it comes to public health care, uh, I think people accept that it's probably never going to work the way it should work in terms of always functioning properly, no matter who's in government. And that's why I, maybe it's not a vote-determining issue anymore for people, if, if it ever was. Uh, historically, the NDP seems to be the party that benefits most from health care. But perhaps the longer they're in government, that may change. But right now, just because people are upset with the handling of health care, it doesn't affect how they're voting or how they intend to vote. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a, a very interesting uh, Canada Day long weekend. I'm sure many of these uh, BC Liberal, NDP, or BC and United. Well, NDP. Put, put a coin in the, vo- in the glass <laughs> there. You made a mistake. <laughs> I know. Uh, BC, I on Mike Smith yesterday. Uh, did you? BC United, <laughs> uh, Green Party members, and of course, many other uh, Conservative parties as well. They'll be out um, working the barbecue circuit, I'm sure, throughout the summer. Uh, as well be very interesting fall when they get back to the legislative session but uh, let's see how this all transpires but looks like uh, BC United has a lot of work ahead of them over, a lot the, next, of work. A lot of, over the next year so Keith have yourself a wonderful Canada yeah. Day long weekend and we'll chat on Monday have a great weekend